Hey, folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Um, Carlos, you know, I say this every week, so listeners out there are probably thinking, okay, yeah, yeah, you say this every week. But we really do have a special guest today. And um, I'm going to give you a little bit of a... Well, actually, you you tell us who this guest is because you set this up. This guest is... Um, he's very special because he used to be our boss. So I guess any former boss is, is special because he can maybe be your boss again. So... Uh, you have to be careful, but uh, Robert Hushka, former editor of the Free Press, only um, soccer nut, and I mean nut with a capital N. Um, the guy just got back uh, from the World Cup in Qatar. He's a uh, you know supporting the U.S. He and his wife uh, Amy, who also works at the Free Press now, um, uh, they 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 are just. Uh, they are just the most fanatical people when it comes to U.S. soccer. And I don't know that, I didn't know that there were that many of them, but apparently there's a group that travels around and Robert's going to tell us about his his adventures in Qatar. Yeah, it's a, it's a Grateful Dead for for soccer, for sports, <laughs> right? I mean, or fish for the, for the, uh, for the more modern crowd, I guess, you know, if you, if you don't want to completely date ourselves. Uh, but yeah, and we're going to get to Robert at, um, in a little bit here. And he's going to tell us about his uh, his adventures and his connection to the to the U.S. men's team and uh, and all that good stuff. Um, I want to, I want to find out from you uh, when we get to Robert or maybe maybe before then. Like, what are you fanatical about? What's something? What's a fringe thing that you're fanatical about still in your what early hundreds? What are, oh right yeah, right. Um, uh, yeah, we can talk about that when Robert uh, all when, right. when Robert gets and you, and maybe you can share yours. But first, um, you know. I don't know. We got to get to a little bit of football here, don't we? And, and I want which football, I wanna, Foot, I wanna, football yeah. or football, uh, American football. <laughs> well, American football is also soccer. So yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, no, we need. We want to talk about the Lions. Obviously, real quickly, the Michigan Wolverines. I think everybody knows won a Big Ten title. They beat Purdue Saturday night in Indianapolis, and they're going to play TCU on uh, New Year's Eve and out in the desert for the right to go to the national championship and play either Georgia or Ohio State. So there you go. Uh, I don't think we're breaking any news with that. You know? No, but for but, the record, uh, I, I want it stated for the record, I wanted to talk about Michigan football, but Sean knows that we get all the clicks from NFL stuff, so he just wants to talk no, about the No, it's Lions. not the clicks. It's not the, the clicks. clicks. No, it's not the clicks. It's like it's like at the downtown department store that sells typewriters, and here comes the IBM, <laughs> and oh, we're not going to sell IBMs because Carlos back in the back there wants to keep selling typewriters. No, no, no. We're going to... <laughs> the the lions man i mean typewriters and i people don't even know what ibms are now of course they do um the does lions it still, does it still exist does ibm still exist yeah that's a good question uh, <laughs> international business machine i think right wasn't that it i had a, i had an uncle who worked for ibm back did in the it? 70s yeah oh yeah. nice nice paid yeah. well yeah no i'm sure it did all the life of luxury <laughs> you had um no seriously let's uh the lions man i just is I, I, what do you think? Can you imagine? And I know we've talked about this a little bit before, but this this sounds going crazy. What's the record? Five and seven? Five and seven. A glorious and five and seven. A glorious five and seven. It might be the happiest five and seven in the Best history. Best damn and five and seven team in the NFL, in yeah, NFL yeah, history. Yeah, I don't ever recall a five <laughs> and seven team spreading this much uh, elation. But <laughs> so I, you and I got an email. I don't know if you read it. It was addressed to both of us. I think it's a podcast listener. And he described you uh, and you're writing about this team lately, the Lions I'm talking about, as gushing. And I thought, wow, wow, has anybody ever described Carlos and a <laughs> column or any kind of sports story at all 
as gushing. So tell tell uh, tell me and our listeners why are you gushing? What's what's going on here? Oh, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, if uh, if if I get on the Sean Windsor psycho babble uh, cow, psychiatrist couch or whatever, you're gonna say I'm doing it for some weird reason. I'm I'm uh, being a contrarian. I'm, I don't know. Um, I'm just telling the truth, man. I'm telling the truth like I always tell the truth. I, I talk about what I see. I see. You know, I, I, I make observations. I talk to the coaches and the players. I, I actually go to the games. I'm like you, Sean, and you're, you're in the four seasons, Indianapolis sleeping in late after covering that Michigan uh, big 10 championship game. And yeah, you know, I, I was actually at the game. So, uh, yo, I mean, listen, man, they've won four out of five. Uh, and, and listen, I said this just to give myself a pat on the back. Cause you know, I need that. Well, you, well you do, and you do that frequently and that's I okay. Do. And I, and I've Your said this all is sore. I said You're gonna throw your shoulder out though, so you easy, better be careful. Easy. Uh, yeah. So that's uh, I've said this all season with the Lions. You know, other than that, that Patriots twenty nine nothing loss, they've showed up. Even in the losses, they've showed up. They've been there at the Dallas game. They were there up until the very end, and then they kind of, you know, Cowboys scored a, a, a touchdown or whatever, but and made it seem like a worse loss, but they've been right there against every team, the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Vikings, the good teams, the NFL, they just weren't winning and they were close. And Campbell kept saying that Dan Campbell kept saying we're close, we're close. And he was right. You know, there's a lot of times where coaches lie or they try to take the most optimistic view, but he really hasn't. And if you watch the games carefully and you pay attention to what they're doing and how they're doing it, and you consider the health of the players at the time and how they were still competing without their full roster, uh, key players out. Um, it, it made sense. And now they have, now they're healthy and, you know, they've made some changes on defense, especially. Um, and it's coming together. Now they, they haven't, they haven't exactly, you know, played the, you know, the greatest teams in the world, you know, but they were right there toe to toe against the Buffalo bills who were a great team. And that was their one loss in the last five games. So absolutely. I mean, there's nothing. And after this blowout against the Jacksonville Jaguars, how can you not gush about this team? Well, yeah, 40 to 14. I mean, when's the last time we saw that kind of score around here where it wasn't oh. the other team hanging 40, right? I mean, I don't, maybe <laughs> this is why we need Dave Burkett because, um, you know, he, he always has the numbers and the, and the history and the context. But yeah, 40 to 14 is kind of, it's kind of shocking. Unfortunately, I didn't, I didn't get to see the game at all because, you know, how NFL works with, um, you know, markets. And even yeah. though I had my laptop and I have an iPad actually with a, my own home streaming service, if you're not in the area, it knows. And so it still won't let you watch. Okay. And, um, and not that I could have watched much anyway, because Michigan um, had the selection show and we were all invited to their downtown hotel to watch the show. And then they players came over next door. They separated us in this big ball ballroom, kind of by this wall, you know, where the, the haves and the have nots, right? The, the little media continued anyway. So, so I, I didn't get to see it. And, uh, um, well, you know what, just real quick for Christmas, I know what I'm getting you a Betamax with the, you know, VCR tape so that you can record the games when you're not home. Oh yeah, well I could. Uh, yeah, you're right. I guess I could, I could. I guess I could record it and go back and watch. But um, in any case, and I do that sometimes. But in any case, I record every game. By the way, every single, whether I'm watching it or not, Lions, Michigan, Michigan State football, every single one. Because you you sometimes want to you know when you're in the stadium and whatever you want to watch like that. You don't get to watch the replays as much as you want to. They have some TVs set up, but it's always sometimes like you have to go back and refer to something, even though you. 
we get we have a subscription to NFL Game Pass and you can watch that stuff and whatever. It's just always easier on the TV, I think, to watch things. Yeah, it is. And when you go back through, you can kind of speed through it. In any case, um, I, I, I saw highlights and then I read as much as I could about it. But uh, I, the, And one thing I saw was a consistent talk about how bad Jacksonville is. And I get it, but they have the same record coming in as the Lions, right? Exactly. They, the same. They've also been weirdly competitive. Not weirdly, but they've been yeah, competitive yeah. about their with with good teams, right? I mean, they were competitive the week before. I can't remember who they played, but um, yeah, with a decent team, right? So that so it's even though they're yeah they're at the bottom of the league, they're not an all time zero and sixteen kind of team either, right? So to to hang forty and win forty to fourteen against a team that has been generally competitive mm-hmm. and lost some games a lot like the Lions, um, I, I think that says even more. Yeah, I mean they came in, they beat the they beat the Ravens actually the week before the Lions. Yeah, right. Well, and the yeah, Ravens are a yeah. good team. So that that was by far, you know, their biggest win of the season. And um I you know, and here's the difference, right? Is the Lions go toe-to-toe with the Bills on Thanksgiving, their one national game of the year, and they come back and they punch the Jaguars in the mouth and drag them around the field, right? The Jaguars are still a very young team. They 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 just they're missing a lot of pieces, um, and on both sides of the ball, and they beat the Ravens, big upset, and then they have a huge letdown. I mean, they they barely showed up against the Lions, so that's the sign of a young team that doesn't know how to go from one big moment to the next and 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 keep up that consistent effort, show up, you know, because I think I'm sure that everybody. All of us uh, free press geniuses in the predictions, we all picked the Lions. I don't know if anybody picked 40 to 14. Um, I think I was close, actually, but no, no, no. I don't remember. But it was, I, I expected a, a sizable victory, but not quite that big. I'm sure you didn't either. No, not quite like that. No, but it's it's interesting, too, that so they're healthy, right? Offensively, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so get, getting back. He's he's looking better. Yeah, no, he, right? And when he's more part, and then DJ Chark is back. Um, I know he was back the previous game, but he had missed a big chunk of time and he was a little bit more involved and it just makes you wonder Carlos, Carlos, excuse me, just how, I mean, we saw this kind of offensive output early in the season and then they started getting injuries. And also then you can kind of credit, you know, NFL teams adjust. They're very good at that. And, um, and that sort of thing. But I just, I just wonder about Jared Goff because it's, (laughs) The way he played the other day, the way he played the beginning of the season, if they keep winning games, it's going to put them in a in an interesting spot, right? In terms of the draft, it it yeah. it, it, it really kind of it really is. I'm curious what you think of that. I, I don't I don't want to say hey they're not going to make the playoffs. I mean, obviously it's a long shot, and they, but they're still mathematically obviously they they still have a shot. But but I just think that the bigger picture that's a really interesting uh, thing to think about. What what are your thoughts on that? You know, it's all going to come down to the quarterback who's available, I think. And if you be, and a lot of this is going to really hinge on the Rams pick, uh, you know, so if they're able to get CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, you know, if they like them, if they believe that these guys can be the future, you know, the franchise, um, you have to pick them really. Um, it, but if they don't, if they, if if they miss out on the top three picks, whatever you know, they might wherever they might go, 
Um, I mean, Dave Burkett and I were just talking about this and it's like, all right, you take the best defensive lineman available wherever you're picking four or five, six, wherever that pick ends up from the Rams. And then maybe, you know, uh, maybe you go for a quarterback mid round somewhere, the Kentucky quarterback. Um, uh, I don't know, Tennessee. I don't know if Hennon Hooker's going to last that long. Who knows where they're going to last, but but I don't. But I think that the, the the good thing about this is that it gives them an option, right? They don't have to draft a quarterback. Um, I would like them to draft a quarterback because let's just be honest, okay? I mean, I mean, listen. There's a lot of hate for Jared Goff, and even though it's abating a little bit, you know, he's not he's not going to win you games. You know, he's just not going to steal games for you. He's not. He's a he's a serviceable quarterback. Uh, above average in the NFL at most of the time, um, still makes some questionable decisions here and there for a quarterback of his, you know, experience level. Um, there's a ceiling with him. I think that <clears throat> he's just not gonna, he's not gonna, he's not gonna elevate your franchise, you know, and I've, and I've talked about this, that, you know, the future of the NFL is the mobile quarterback, you know, the dual threat guy, it can and I, and I the bigger question really, Sean, is Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator. Is he not going to get poached for a head coaching job when this guy's proven himself to be his wunderkind? He has a largely starless cast that he's dealing with. Other than the offensive line, the skill position guys, there's really no star. You know, no, but uh, they're good. They're 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 good. good. They're solid and they're good. Yeah. But there's no Derrick Henry and there's no you know um, amazing receiver or quarterback or whatever. Yeah, and, they they got a guy who might be a Pro Bowl receiver and they got a great offensive line and they've got when healthy a really good running back, right? Plus a nice running back. And job. I mean, this, this team has some talent, right? They, they have every team has talent. Yes, every team has talent. You look around, there's someone, right? It's very few people that. The teams that don't have something. I'm in Ross St. Brown. Yeah, he he's going to be a Pro Bowler at some time, at some point. He's going to be the next Golden Tate, you know for sure. Um, but as of now, you know he's turned them into that. He's resurrected Jared Goff's career. If you want to look at Jared Goff and what he's doing, you have to give Ben Johnson a lot of credit for that. Scoring is down. It's it's among the lowest scoring in the NFL for league wide for, I don't know what it is, four five, six years or something like that. So scoring is a premium. And you have this guy who suddenly has ignited the Detroit lions somehow. And they're one of the best, better defense or offenses in the league. If he doesn't get hired as a head coach, I will, I will be shocked. So then you got to deal with a new offensive coordinator. And then what are you doing with Jared Goff? You know, I, that's that's a whole nother thing. How are I, you? I, he might get one more year here before you know he might need one more year mm-hmm. season. But it's not just but, but it's not Ben. It's not just him, right? Goff's play started to improve when Dan Campbell took over the play calling. So there was yeah. that there was that transition period a year ago, which makes you wonder, you know. And obviously they see the game the same way. And I'm with you on on that would be a big blow to lose to lose Johnson. But getting back to golf for a second on the quarterback, first of all, the dual threat, whatever. It's just Joe Burrow is um, in the Super Bowl and will probably play meaningful football in the winter for on and off for a long, long time. And he's not dual threat. That That is not – we are not there yet. And we may not be for another decade, right? So pocket passers are still, still going to be just fine. Um, here's my question to you, though. Let's, I think of this as, as sort of a math issue. First of all, of the 32 teams – how many have a generational quarterback? Just think. Um, 
a several five I don't know. I mean, I haven't. I had to count. I mean, up, I mean, if yeah, you can, somewhere just, a little more. Just up, just up the top of your head. I mean, you start with Mahomes and you go to Josh Allen. I'm talking about guys that are younger. Yeah. Obviously Brady and Rodgers, but they're kind of at the tail end, right? But they're still generational quarterbacks. Yeah, they are. But they're at the tail end, right? So, right. so, but that's 20 years apart almost. So that, which tells you something too. So you I don't Mahomes. think you have to have a generational quarterback. I'm just saying a guy who's going to be on your team for a second contract. You know? Yeah, but a guy. So, so, but I'm talking about somebody who's a, who's better than golf. Oh, better than golf? Yeah, who's consider who's going to go win you games at at that kind of level? Because most other guys can't. I mean, who who else is, is out Derek there? Car better than golf? Is he out there winning games? I and, think and, I think almost everybody in the NFL will say Derek Carr is a better quarterback than Jared Goff. Now the 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 whole poop show that's going on in Vegas with that team is a whole another problem with them, you know, and Josh McDaniels and all this other stuff and the firing of Gruden and all that, 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 that franchise is a, is a disaster zone right now. But if you look at them objectively, I think most people would take Derek Carr in a heartbeat and he's not spectacular. No, I don't think, he's but he one. wins games. I mean, he has, he's smart. He's quick. He's right. But I don't know. think he's won as much as Jared Goff has been in a Super Bowl and playoff three other, two other times. Right. So it's, oh, that, come on, come on. But he, but he has, come I mean, on. But, but that's the math I'm talking about. That's the reality. There isn't really any difference. Sean really- McVay, Sean McVay's been in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Here's the problem with Jared Goff, right? Is the indictment is he wasn't good enough for Sean McVay. Sean, you know, and yes, Sean McVay did not draft him. He inherited him from the previous regime, from 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 uh, Jeff Fisher, and did what he could and did enough to get Jared Goff and that offense to play in the Super Bowl. No, they had a really good defense too. But what are the Rams doing this year? And I know Stafford, Matthew Stafford's been hurt lately, but look at what they were right. doing earlier before he was healthy. It isn't just a quarterback. They are they as good as Stafford is, and we wouldn't consider him up in the Mahomes category, but he's in that tier just below. Right. I don't know who uh who else um who else was in there at one point. Maybe um God, I can't think of his name. The the quarterback who was from the Falcons for a long time and went to the Colts. Matt Ryan. Right? Yeah, right. So Stafford had a little more arm talent than him, but so those guys that in in that area, but if you're talking about just huge difference makers right now, I mean you maybe Herbert out in San Diego. I mean Lamar Jackson on and off, uh Jalen Hurts is starting to become one of these, one of these guys. Oh yeah. We're, but we're talking about a fraction of the league. So the idea of that, you're going to get one of those guys is minimal. And every year, not every draft produces one of those guys. Right. And, and maybe when you, when a draft does produce one of the guys, maybe sometimes you get a couple of them. It's still of of the top guys. It's 50, 50 at best that you're going to get the right guy. So if your goal is to win a Super Bowl. What's the what's the most likely way to do that, right? To take to roll a 50-50 dice on a quarterback or to look around and say, wow, we are putting the team together and a lot a, a similar to the way the Rams, not similar, but kind of like the Rams, actually. They put a really good team around, got to the Super Bowl with golf, and then won one with Stafford. Neither one of those are elite quarterbacks, right? So to me, that's what's difficult about it because you don't have to have Mahomes to get to the Super Bowl. You don't have to, but it certainly helps. And I'm not even talking about the Super Bowl. I'm just talking about, you know, very um, uh, – the next step for them is to become a, a consistent playoff team, a division champion, to win the NFC North for the first time, right? 
to take that next step, to have the quarterback. Basically, you had that in Stafford. You had that level of quarterback in Stafford to find someone of that caliber. Um, and I don't think Goff is at Stafford's caliber. Um, you know, no, so he, you, he, you need, he, he, I mean, Lamar yeah. Jackson hasn't played in the Super Bowl, but he would certainly be the guy that you would look at as this is the guy who can get us to the playoffs. He's obviously one, been in the playoffs and won in the playoffs and he's, can he get you to that next level? Yeah, they have every confidence. He's going to be a free agent and you're going to see them pay him really well because he's the answer there, you know? So you're 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 always going to be limited. And listen, if the Lions had this amazing defense, if it was like, oh man, this thing is a monster and Levi on Wuzurike was a 10-sack guy and Ali McNeil was a 10-sack guy and Romeo Cora was healthy and Jeff Okuda had 10 picks, you know, and all this stuff. If if this was a growling monster of a defense, like, yeah, maybe this is the identity. The identity of this team right now is offense. It is an offensive team. And I, I guarantee you they regret trading TJ Hawkinson. But, but you got a big, but you, they just scored 40 points, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, they did, but against the Bills, he would have helped win that game for the Bills. They don't. I mean, really maybe, have a maybe not. They, they couldn't make a stop, right? I mean, it, right? I, I don't know that Hawkinson. They were not winning games with Hawkinson because of the defense. And you got to project. You got to look. What do they? What do they have on defense? They have some promising young guys, a fair amount of them, and uh, five or six of them. And, and so you got to project. Okay, how good are these guys going to get? And do we want to go get? Not that I think I don't think the Rams. We'll see if the Rams lose enough, but do you want to go out and get Jalen Carter, right? Who's as freakish a uh, defensive lineman as that's been in the draft in the last several years. He's a Sioux type of guy in terms of, I know he's a tackle. He's a fine run stopper, but the pressure he puts up the middle, which is the most effective kind of pressure is ridiculous. And um, that was Sue, right? Sue was a single handed destructive force up the middle. Do you want to take the chance and say, let's go get somebody like that with all these other young guys. We got, fairly decent youth on offense and, you know, and go, and go that way. I mean, it's, it's just, it's tricky. They're going to have a really, really, because what's the end game? Are you trying to build a, a, a dynasty or do you want to try to get to the Super Bowl? I think you want to try to win some games and get to the, get to the playoffs. Forget about dynasty and Super Bowl right now. I mean, you want to just win some games and become a consistent team with an identity, you know, and the wins are going to come as they come. You know, but the hey, the Jaguars had the number one pick of the draft, Trayvon Walker. How much did he help them against the Lions? You know, I mean, that's it's they the guys don't catch fire. Trevor, right away. Trevor Lawrence is supposed to be a generational right. quarterback. Trevor What's Lawrence. he doing? How how much did he help them? Right. You know, it takes that's time, yeah. and it's all holistic. It's does it doesn't work one way. But the line the Lions are lucky, and that right now they know that the offense is a strength of the team. Now that is maybe going to change if they lose Ben Johnson, but for now. That's the strength. So how do you do you strengthen a, a make a strength even stronger? You know, and you you obviously have to draft on defense too. You can't just ignore you know one side of the ball. But I'm just saying that you have to look carefully at this. And I think it will if you're going to play this game of like, well, what happens? And you know, I would say yes. If 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 this team, if if Goff keeps playing this way and he's done enough to prove you know that that he shouldn't just be you know kicked out. If Ben Johnson returns it would be hard to go away from Jared Goff because they've worked well together. Uh, you don't want to, you don't want to stab him in the back by, you know, basically drafting his replacement and that can be problematic. Uh, I can see that. However, if Ben Johnson doesn't return, that changes a lot of things. Um, but also they have to be willing to, they have to be willing at some point you have to draft another quarterback because 
there is a ceiling on Jared Goff. You know, I mean, there there just is. I don't think. And what's the ceiling? The ceiling is that he can win you some games. The ceiling is he's he's played in a Super Bowl. So that's the ceiling. What's a more ceiling than that? And they lost by a a, a single score. And I know he didn't do anything because they were playing against a great defense. Right. So maybe that's the ceiling. What, he's just a Super Bowl quarterback? The the ceiling is that he... There is no ceiling. He's played the Super Bowl. He needs a lot of help to get there. And also On both sides of the ball. And so does just about every other quarterback. Well, I mean, how many games has he has he stolen for the Lions? How many games has he just taken control, taken over, and just you know gone gone nuts? I mean, the way that the way that even you see Justin Fields, the way that he kind of takes control of a game, even though they may not win the game, he may he impacts the game significantly. Jalen Hurts does, Josh Allen does, uh, Mahomes, all these guys, right? Yeah, yeah, even that, Aaron Rodgers still does. That's a, different, that's a different level. Fields isn't there yet. He doesn't throw the ball that way. And golf led one of the best drives you'll see all season, at least from the Lions, to beat the Bears. He just didn't do it with his legs. So don't fall in love with his legs. But you're talking about I can, love, those, I can the, fall in love with any part I want. Those other guys are elite, elite players, right? Right. That's what I'm saying. So, He's not an elite, elite player. At some point, see, the, to get to the playoffs and to win in the playoffs – you need you need elite play in your quarterback. It's it's rare that you're going to win games in the playoffs without unless you have some really elite side. I mean, when was when Stafford Goff, was Stafford at the same level as Mahomes and Rodgers and Brady? Last year he was. He should have been the Super Bowl MVP. He played no, great. No, he, he did. He play was great. he was a he was yes. Listen, he was a pick away the Jacuzzi Tart drop. He was a pick away from not you know getting to the Super Bowl. Right. So yeah, that. That's understandable. But also, Jared Goff was also a bad call away in New Orleans from not – he shouldn't – the well, Rams that, shouldn't that have happens every year, but at my point, yeah. That's like, what I'm saying, yeah. That, that happens every year. I mean, you got to have some luck, too. Right? you got to have some luck. I mean, even when but Brady's – Stafford played it, great. Stafford played great in the playoffs last I mean, year. Think about the, the Super Bowls Brady won. I mean, they, they almost never blew – I don't think they ever blew anybody out. Not in the Super Bowl. Maybe – yeah, I don't know that they ever had a single. Yeah, yeah. so you, you gotta have you gotta have a little bit of fortune. Yeah, but you have to play well. You know, you can't like very well. You know, there's there's I I don't know. I you could go back at the quarter at the passer no, ratings and check if them the, out. If the team really stinks, yeah, go get your quarterback, take your chance. But but with what we're seeing right now, and if they keep this up the rest of the year, they're really going to have a tough time saying, you know what, we have this team, and we've got a lot of young guys. We think we can be better next year. Let's supplement that. And then see where it takes us. I mean, it's not going to be a slam dunk to go get a quarterback if they keep playing this way. That's that's my only point. Yeah, I mean, it's not a it's not a slam dunk. Um, and I, I I think that I mean personally, uh, it feels to me that that there's a certain um, I don't I don't get the sense that Brad Holmes has that sort of uh, boldness built into his drafting DNA. Um, and that is that that it requires a bold move because like what we're talking about. Why do you, you know, say that? What are you basing that on? He took Jamison Williams. He, he went up and got Jamison Williams. ACL injury, untraded. Down right. Yeah. I right. Mean, what, do you, what do you mean he's not? I, what are you basing that on? I'm basing that on that you know he's not. You, you know he's know. he's he's built a lot of he's he's taken a lot of linemen early, um, you know, and I understand you know they're 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 philosophy of the trenches which you love obviously that's you know um, i like skill guys yeah you like you like big beefy slow fat guys i, I like skill guys but skill guys don't mean a thing if you can't control the line of scrimmage i mean yeah it's just, well it's, football is still that way 
it's that way for a, we saw that Ohio the, State. We saw that Ohio State at Michigan. Ohio State had a lot more skill, and they got bullied. Right? Yep. I mean, you, it's just it's still that way. Georgia. <laughs> that's why they are the way they are. They, I think that in college, it's definitely a little more true in the NFL. You know, you got a you got a lot of guys who can block and stuff, and you know, you have you, you definitely don't want a bad offensive or defensive line, but. You can. You don't have to draft these guys super high. I think there's a way to do that. But the Jamison Williams thing, um, yeah. I mean, he. That was one where he he took a risk. Finally, he did something a little bit different. What do you mean? Finally, you act like he's been drafting for five or six years. I, I don't. No, I don't, just I, in the two in the limited time that we had in the two years, I haven't seen him really go out. And the Jamison Williams was, was an interesting choice. A definitely a risk, but for the, the most same part, thing with Pascal, I think he's gone right? with with safer guys. I don't think Pasco was safe. I don't think uh, you mentioned Levi earlier. Earlier, I don't. I don't know that he was safe. I mean, you might you might argue the opposite that he's got some kind of fetish for guys that have coming off of injuries in their last year of college, right? He has. And, he and has that too, and, and that's really that's risky. a weird kind of risk that he takes. But you know, but it's still a risk. You know, I you know you, you're talking about a very specific thing with the quarterback, and we'll see. We'll see. I think you know they traded for Jared Goff for picks to build the team out and buy time. And now the time's going to come, and he's going. We'll see if he sticks his neck out or not. That's the thing is, like I think when he traded, when he traded Jer, uh, T.J. Hawkinson, his message was kind of like, "This is this is going to take some time, and we need to acquire more draft capital, and we need to, you know." I, I think it was he was almost pumping the brakes on saying, "Don't expect too much right away or next year even, because we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have to take our time to do this." you know, a certain way to build this team a certain way. And it, it almost signaled to me like that they don't expect to make the playoffs this year for sure. But then next year, possibly even next year, because let's face it, once you make the playoffs or start trying to make the playoffs, the clock speeds up on the regime and you better produce. You, you have to start challenging for the division title. You have to start making playoffs. And once you don't, then jobs are on the line. No, for sure. That's how it always works. And Hawkinson is a really good, he's a good player, really good player. But, you know, he didn't block well enough and he he, he had weird. He's not drives. a blocker. No, I know, but, he, Never. but, he, but he's not versatile. And he had weird, he had weird drops from time to time. I'm, I mean, obviously, I thought he was fun to watch because he ran routes really well. And when he did catch, he, he made some spectacular ones. But I don't think it was they were giving up. They just wanted picks. I think they liked their young guys and they were figured out, getting back to your guy, Ben Johnson. That they were going to spread the ball in different areas, right? And uh, so far, it's it's working out all right. Hey, we've talked way too long. Um, we need to take a quick break, and we got to get to uh, Mr. Huska. Yes. All right. Let's take a quick break, uh, pay some bills, and we'll be right back with more free press sports with Carlson Shaw. Welcome back to free press sports with Carlson Sean. Uh, Carlos, it's time to talk about your favorite sport. Hockey? Which, uh, no, highlight ha- ha- baseball. Uh, Wushu. How about Wushu? I, I just want to say that I'm impressed for somebody that does not like, um, you know, football as it's known in the rest of the world or soccer, as we call it, to 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 reach out to our next guest and bring him in, knowing that this was going to be the topic of conversation. I'm, I'm impressed. That, Are sh- you? that, that shows you. that, uh, you know, you're thinking about other people. It shows a level of empathy, I think, that maybe your readers don't always see. I, I, uh, I've always admired soccer. I played adult league soccer um, and 
it's just always been hard for me to watch. Uh, I, I do enjoy World Cup soccer, and I, that's why I want to. I, I hope that we can talk to Robert about this, but uh, but it's the one true world sports tournament, right? It's the only tournament in the world where everybody competes in this sport, pretty much, um, with with rare exception. That really the whole world gets into it. Um, unlike, I mean, we we call the you know we call the world baseball world series the world series it's not you know it's pretty arrogant actually to call it that it it? is yeah which is what makes it great right (laughs) total total Uh, american that's what we do right yeah exactly well listen let's let's get let's get robert in here who apparently took a uh some kind of luxury cruise is this true robert this is how carl's (laughs) characterized it earlier that you were you were sailing across the sand and um eventually found water and you, you found your way back from uh, oh can can you clarify by the way because i saw a story recently in the new york times about the pronunciation whether it's guitar or as locals say cutter yeah and, i i think it is actually qatar so cat r the because the t is part of the first syllable um at least that's how most of the locals down in that part of the world seem to pronounce it so qatar okay so, Repeat uh, after me, Sean. Qatar. Qatar. Yeah, Qatar. No, that that's that's where the paper fell. That that was, you know. But then, you know, like uh, I've heard. So Copenhagen, for example, I know folks in Denmark say something I can't even pronounce to say Copenhagen. Like Schopenhag. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to keep butchering <laughs> by it. The but way, uh, by the way, there was almost a fist fight in the Free Press Sports Department when they had the uh, Olympics in Italy, the Torino or Turin. We couldn't. We couldn't decide how. It, it, it almost fractured the whole sports department. Yeah, I remember that. That was a bitter, bitter, <laughs> bitter argument. <laughs> so, 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 tell us, uh, Robert, how long were you were you over there, and uh, when did you get when did you get back, and just and, and what was it like? Yeah, so um, my wife and I, Amy Hushka, who you may have mentioned, um, works at the Free Press um, with you guys, as as I once did um, not long ago. Um, went um, went over um, just before the tournament began, so we flew over. On a thirty hours of plane rides from Detroit on on November twentieth, we arrived early on November twentieth um, and stayed throughout the the U.S. group stage games. And we flew back. Um, uh, must be um, Thursday of last week, so we we're there through December second. So we saw all of the three U.S. group stage games, but left before we had good timing and left before the loss to to Netherlands. Oh, you so you didn't stay for the. You know, we really debated it. Um, We sat there, we looked at, we had a ticket actually, um, but just both cost and timing and I had to work this week and it takes a little bit of recovery time from both being in a World Cup for two weeks and the 30 hours of travel home. You know, we, discretion was the better part of valor and we we returned before the the Netherlands match. Were you, were you secretly kind of rooting for them to lose because if you had passed up a chance to watch them beat Holland, I mean, like, could you no, forgive yourself? No, there was no scenario where I was ever going to root for them to lose. <laughs> and I'm still not over that loss, actually. So that, <laughs> you know, there was no, no, we were up early um, sitting on the couch. We also managed to get COVID on the trip. So we're recovering slowly from, oh. um, from COVID, but you know, that well, you know, a risk we were willing to take. To, You'll have to forgive Carlos Robert for thinking that somebody actually doesn't make it about themselves. What do you yeah. mean? What do you mean? Is he's this, this, this man to is, kick yourself to, to the, miss the that. US I mean, when's the last time they, when's the last time they advanced past the first world? round? Oh my God. The knockout just, stage. 
2002, Carlos, you and I watched that game, in fact, with the U.S.-Mexico game in 2002. Um, you came over to my house. It was a 4 a.m. kickoff. And we watched the U.S. beat Mexico, and that was the last time they were out of the, the round. 20 years. 20, 20 years. years. Yep, yep, yep. I think it was – I thought – I remember it as a fever dream. I can't even re- – was was Christoph Furman's there? Were we all – I don't know. Claire Chris Klontz was there, if you remember that Klontz. game. Um, yeah, my brother was there. It was a, it was a, oh. it was a good time. So, so Robert, for our listeners, uh, yeah. what the, the, the fascination – not the fascination, just the, uh, the obsession, that's a better word yeah. for it. With soccer and specifically with the men's U.S. men's soccer team, where did it come from? And how many games did I read that uh, you've been to? What a hundred plus games is that? Is that in right? Qatar, I, the 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 U.S. Iran match was my one hundred and fifty second <gasps> U.S. men's national team game. And you've so, been you've been all over the world, right? Yeah, that was my um, uh, must have been my fifth continent. I've seen the team play on. So yeah. Upwards of 20 countries, 152 full U.S. men's matches. I've been to a bunch of women's and youth matches as well. But just the the the, the full squad U.S. team, yeah, 152 games. So you're like a Grateful Dead fan, and I don't know yeah. what you're substituting for the acid, but what's – what's <laughs> so uh, beer with soccer, is it which, okay. was, which was hard to come by in Qatar. So, how, so we wait, how did talk this, about that. Too. How did this come? Because it come about. It's one thing to enjoy watching it on TV, you know, like my neighbors do, by the way, from Amsterdam, and we're not as torn as they should have been considered they've been here for 25 years. Anyway, what's uh, where does this come from, this – this um I, I, uh, obsession i guess yeah you know we had a back in the day um still working on the free press we had a graphic artist come in from scotland a guy named richard johnson and he decided and carlos played on this team with me that he was going to start a free press soccer team and he dragged us all out to belle isle and started kicking soccer balls at us and that was about the same time as the the u.s was going through um world cup qualifying i started watching games ahead of the 2002 World Cup. And I went to a game in um, in D.C. on just before September 11th. So this was September 4th, I think, 2001. I saw a World Cup qualifier between USA and Honduras. This game was played at 10 in the morning because at that time, that was the only time U.S. soccer could get on national TV. <laughs> so it was uh, – but I got to that game at 8 o'clock, and the entire parking lot was filled with Honduran fans. It was like a sea of Honduran <laughs> blue. It was like the craziest energy. And I'd been to big sporting events. I'd been to an NFC championship game. I'd seen NBA playoff games. This thing was electric. And even for a 10 a.m. kickoff, right, and the game kicks off, I'm behind the goal – the, the place is full of Honduran fans, like stuff is being thrown left and right. Literally flares were thrown on the field and they don't stop the game. They keep playing. And the U.S. scored an early goal in that match right in our goal. And it was like it was it. it that was it. I was done. I was a fan since that moment. And the U.S. actually ended up losing that game, which also may have something to do with it. That all sports is always bred with pain and suffering. True fandom is born out of pain. Um, it was, and that stood as the U.S.'s last home World Cup qualifier for almost, almost 15 years. Actually, more than 15 years, I think. So, and, and then it just began. Uh, my wife and I went to a game. I dra- dragged my crazy wife into this. Um, we went to a game. Her first game was actually in Mexico City in the famed Estadio Azteca, which is Mexico's fortress. Holds 100,000 Mexican fans. We went there in 2005. That was the first time we left the country to see a game and it we met people there who sort of were 
like you said, Sean, Grateful Dead fans of soccer who just did this, who travel from game to game. You know, there's a cadre of people we see everywhere. When they show fans on TV, U.S. soccer fans on TV, we can usually pick out people we know. And like, hey, you know, there's Dale. Um, so it, it just becomes part of a, a, a sort of a traveling family, so to speak, that, that wanders around the globe. Now, so most sensible U.S. soccer fans find the most tenuous connection to some national background in their family. Like, you know, my, my family's German, you know, whatever. I think there's some English or somewhere or Dutch and they'll find like a good team, a good international team to hook onto, right? But you willingly chose basically the Detroit Lions of international yeah. soccer as a yeah. as a full functioning adult. Yeah. Uh, I mean, is it just like this glutton for punishment? I mean, I mean, why, why couldn't you just pick a different team, Robert? Well, one, I would argue that we're the U.S. soccer is probably in a better has somewhat more success over the last twenty years than the um, <laughs> Detroit Lions, but. <laughs> But, you know, there's something about the underdog story of it. There's something where, you know, the United States is often viewed as the, you know, the, the big bad super power around the world. This is the one thing the United States can come in and, and, and be the underdog at. And there's a there's a special place there. There's also just something about being, you know, part of the the, the world community in this in a way. I mean, I can meet people from all over the world as a language you can share. You can talk about. You know, the different players you've seen, the different leagues you've watched. It's, uh, you know, in, in my new job in the, the robotics industry, I deal with people from a lot of different countries. And they're always sort of fascinated with an American who is interested in in their sport. Um, it's sort of an in, instant global conversation started. So now, this, this group of fans, sorry, Carlos, this group of fans, are they they're known as the American Outlaws? That's uh, that's the one of the U.S. soccer supporter groups. It's the one um, I belong to. Um, there were there were groups that predated that, um, but they've been around now for, for 15 years. Um, they claim almost 20,000 members globally, but the group that obviously travels like we do is 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 far smaller. That that makes it to, to as many games as we do. And, now, and the, oh, go ahead, Carlos. Sorry. Just just a quick question. I and I believe this is true. I, I could be wrong about this, but you don't actually root for like a professional soccer team, right? You don't really follow or you know I've, I've been a fulham fan in the english premier league for a long time so it sure okay. surely shows my desire to get my teeth repeatedly kicked <laughs> in, in in this sport um you know fulham most people who don't follow sport probably don't know is a smaller team in outside of in south london um for a while they had about five americans there when i was first becoming a fan so it was one of the reasons i i clung on to them the two of the americans on this u.s team both play at fulham um, Tim Ream and, and Anthony Robinson both were Fulham players, continuing that long tradition of, <laughs> of, of, of Americans at Fulham. So let me ask you this. You like the American soccer team better or the Minnesota Vikings? <laughs> I would say that's always a tough call, but I would, I would certainly, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I always assumed the Minnesota Vikings would win a Super Bowl in my lifetime. As I've gotten older, I, I, I cling to less of that hope. Um, I don't expect we'll ever see the U.S. win a World Cup in, in my lifetime. And we can, you know, we can talk about that, but it, we're too far removed yet from the top tier of the, the sport. So if I had to choose, I would certainly choose the U.S. winning a World Cup over the Vikings winning the Super Bowl if I had to, to make that choice. Because one is 
is so much farther away than, than the other. Uh, you know, especially when you look at, you know, if you watched games this week, right, teams like the Netherlands, Portugal today won six to one. Portugal has never won a World Cup. You know, Netherlands has never won a World Cup. This idea that the U.S. can step into this with our with our still relatively immature soccer culture and, and suddenly compete for World Cups, we're still we're still a far ways removed from that. You you were ta- you were talking about this uh, the supporter group and yeah. it, it, and the community of it, and it really is a lot like a family too. I mean, they took. Uh, from my understanding, this this group really took your son in, Martin, who yeah. you just decided, hey, we're going to go. I, I, I can't remember some of the Ireland. I'm trying to remember some of the yeah, other. Yeah, we went to Ireland. Jamaica, we went to Amsterdam. Jamaica, um, to, is that right? Trinidad, actually. Trinidad, sorry. Um, yeah, we, yeah, we, we just dragged him across the, the world with us. And, you know, he didn't go to a ton of games. He just sort of got dragged along with a, with a, a family member, a babysitter in tow. But whenever he did go to a game, you know, they always made sure he was comfortable. You know, the the team, you know, had, you know, right after he was diagnosed, and for those who don't know, our son had a, a terminal brain disease, um, was they they brought us back in the locker room. He's has a picture taken with dozens of players over the years. You know, when he when he died last year, um, you know, US soccer, um, you know, they took one of the one of their World Cup qualifiers in Austin. They actually had a tribute for him. They put his face up on the the big screen. Um, they had a wreath in the stands for him. You know, those the type uh, jersey with jersey, his name yeah. on it. And then yeah. the craziest thing was when they, you know, they released the roster about an hour before the game, and on the roster they included Martin on the roster for that game. So, Aww. yeah, that's the kind of thing that doesn't. I don't think you talk about the Minnesota Vikings. I don't think I've ever seen an NFL team do anything like that. No, it's not. It, it, it's not the connect the connection between soccer and its fans, and I think. You know, Carlos knows this with, with some of his 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 knowledge of the sport is unlike what you see in in American professional sports. The the clubs and their their fans are are tied in a in a way that is it, you mentioned it's family. In some countries, it's like a religion. It is it is caked into their 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 life in a very different way. The only thing, and I know Carlos has a question, but to me. And I always tell people this from my experience, it's most like our college football in yeah. terms of in terms of identity. And you mentioned religion. You've spent any yeah. time in the South, you know what college football yeah. right, right? So it's it's very similar. Your your who you are and how you think about yourself is wrapped up in at least in part to your fandom. Yeah. And that and that's and that's intense. You mentioned the Hondurans filling up the stadium in yeah. DC, right? And that and yeah. kind of giving you a bug. That's it's similar to walking to Columbus. You know, for Michigan, Ohio yeah. State, and that yeah. it's that feeling of almost anarchy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You walk into, you, you know, you ever want to experience. Yeah, I remember wearing a Vikings jersey into the Silverdome, right? And people said, "You're crazy! I can't believe you're wearing a Vikings jersey in the Silverdome." And I said, "I've worn a U.S. jersey into Estadio Azteca in Mexico City." So you, <laughs> you know, where you're literally walked in in a riot police corridor. They surround you. They basically put you in a cage to separate you from other fans. The the wall of riot police just is there all the time. It is a it is a much different experience than than even I would say going into Philly wearing a New York Giants jersey. <laughs> and how uh, I, you know you had a really really cool post about your experience on, on Facebook, um, and you talked about meeting uh, a, a fan from Iran. Um, yeah. 
And he asked, you know, have you ever been to our country? And you said, I don't know any American who's ever been to your country. And you had a nice little exchange and it was hopeful. What was your, what was the reception like, you know, um, in that part of the world for Americans? Because I'm sure you were wearing your colors loud and proud. Everybody knows, you know. Yeah, I didn't encounter, one of the things I've always loved about a World Cup is, is the sort of United Nations of culture that gets put together and the ability to to strike up a conversation with with you know people from people never would have met from all over the world and you know, I have real and still do real concerns about hosting this tournament in Qatar because of you know the the bribery scandal that brought it there and the the human rights concerns in that country but I have always believed that the bringing people together from different parts of the world has to have value. And, you know, just this, this small conversation with someone who lived outside of Tehran, where we could have a conversation about the game and he could say, I wish things were better between our countries and we could shake each other's hands and say, you know, safe journey, you know, it may have changed his perception of how he views Americans. And, you know, that may be just a small drop in the ocean of discontent between Iran and the United States, but, you know, somehow that's how change begins with, you know, small drops in an ocean. Beat that, Sean. What's that? <laughs> Beat that thought. No, 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 no. But that that's, you're right. That's, that's part of it. I mean, we learn when we, to me, it comes down to, uh, it doesn't have to be food. Carl's always gives me a hard time, but when we eat together, it always has to be food. Well, if we eat together, <laughs> if we, uh, uh, worship together sometimes, right. I mean, it doesn't have to be that either, but it just, if we just are sitting next to each other yeah, that, and, and that's, that's, that's really the key, right? Because, because if you're thinking about another human being through your computer screen, or your phone mostly, then, uh, yeah, it's, it's very different. All the nuance is lost and, I, you know, I'm sure you learned a lot in that in that visit with this yeah. with this man, right? Yeah. Oh, and just even just wondering about when am I ever going to? I've never been to the Middle East. I never, you know, you know, walked that part of the world before. Walked through the market, ate ate the food, you know, wandered out into the desert, you know, spoke to Qataris, right? You know, you just the ability to sort of walk in the places of the world where other people walk you know, teaches you some things, right? And that's one of the other joys I've always loved about following this sport is the place it's, it's taken me. You know, who do I ever, you know, before I began, you know, when we started this 20 years ago, who do I ever thought I'd gone to Guatemala City or Cape Town, South Africa, or walk the streets outside the Kremlin in, you know, in Moscow, right? There are just, there are these places you never thought you would have gone and Qatar would be one of them that, that soccer has taken me. And that to me is one of the greatest values of following this sport. And it gives you a different kind of entry into those places, yeah. right? When you're yeah. coming with, there's a there's a purpose. You're not just wandering by walking the earth by yourself, right? Yeah. You're with another group of people, yeah. and so yeah. the, the camaraderie is different, and so forth. I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. Well, with 152 caps, tell us uh, your the your favorite World Cup venue, and even among the qualifiers, whatever your favorite stadium to attend a game. You know, so stadiums here in the United States, right? It's crazy because you know, anywhere, twenty years anywhere, ago, yeah. But let's just think about it this way: right? okay. when we when we started when I started watching the sport twenty years ago, there was one soccer-specific stadium in the United States, right? That was Columbus Crew Stadium, which no longer exists. It's it's being turned into a high school football field or something, right? And now there are something like 10, 12, 15 stadiums in this country built specifically to house soccer teams in places you never would have guessed. If you'd have told me there was going to be a soccer-specific stadium in St. Paul, Minnesota, 
I would have thought you were crazy, right? <laughs> or uh, Orlando. Or, Orlando or Kansas City or Nashville, Tennessee, right? You talk <laughs> about the deep south embracing um, embracing soccer, right? It's crazy. And all of those stadiums are, are amazing. Um, the stadium in Minneapolis is beautiful. The stadium in Kansas City is great. You know, I've been to some big historic stadiums too. Um, you know, Allianz Arena outside of Munich is fantastic. You know, the most unique stadium though was Soccer City outside Johannesburg, which was built for that particular World Cup. And it looks like sort of the, it was designed to look like one of the bowls used by the cultures in that part of the world. And it has sort of this, you know, unique you know, unique color and, and unique vibe to it. Um, and that was great. That was a great stadium. Um, um, Albat Stadium in Qatar is built to look like a big Arabian tent and it's inflated much like the Silverdome was inflated with air to keep it upright. But it's just this amazing tribute to Arabian culture that they built on the edge of the desert there, um, you know, north of Doha. And your favorite World Cup to attend? You know, they're all different. Um, it's like picking your your kids a little bit. Um, Fun has you know, favorite kids. He has his parents. You, know, you could tell yeah, you right now. You know, each one, each World Cup has its own sort of flavor. Um, you know, 06 was our first um, in Germany. The United States didn't perform particularly well there, but it was a you know fantastic experience. You know, two weeks in Germany. Um, you know, Cape Town in South Africa is one of the most amazing cities I've ever been to. I would encourage that. We, in Brazil, we spent two weeks on a beach um, in Natal, um, in northern Brazil, which is one of the most gorgeous beaches I've been, ever been on. And, you know, Qatar, as I said, I've never been to the Middle East before, and it was the best shawarma I'll probably ever have. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what that's that. Now you're talking my language. So where did you enjoy? Can you give me a couple of the highlights of the food, some of the food you've eaten? <laughs> you know, what's interesting is I've gotten asked about it a lot, but I would say this. It was not as different the food from what you would expect if you went to Dearborn and ordered and ordered really great Middle Eastern food. I was expecting, you know, like when you go to, if you go to Asia, you know, I've never been to China, but people say you go to China and order Chinese food. It's nothing like American Chinese food, right? Or even, you know, um, French, going to a French bistro here is very different to going someplace outside of Paris. But I would say the food was actually, it was like the best version of Detroit Middle Eastern food you could eat, you know? You know, great shawarma, great hummus, um, you know, really, really great, um, you know, lamb dishes. Um, you would love it, Sean. You should definitely go just for the food alone. Now, and the, you can't have a drink along with anything. No, right, so that's right, right. The, You know, that's the downside is, you know, we were fortunate we stayed on a one of the cruise ship hotels that they had parked in the harbor. And those were operating under European rules. So we were able to easily drink there. But once you wandered into the city itself, um, you know, it was very difficult to to find a drink, especially at, at some of the more traditional um, dining establishments. So, but, the, but my other quick question though is, where did you, where have you enjoyed eating the most of all your your travels? That's wow, that's really interesting. I would say I remember in Guatemala City. Um, we yes. after a match, <laughs> they we ordered. We didn't know we were ordering. I don't speak very good Spanish. My Spanish is like cerveza por favor, right? It's my equivalent <laughs> of my my Spanish. And they brought out like a what we what and our our friend group still refers to as the as the um as the as the tray of meat, which was just like every meat you could imagine that had been <laughs> grilled on this tray the side of a, size of a table, 
um, still just like hot off the grill. In fact, on these heating stones, you just eat it right off this grill. And it was amazing. Oh, that sounds great, eh, Carlos? It does sound great. If you ever take me to Guatemala Silly, Sean, I'm sure you're going to take me to Taco Bell and tell me no, it's I'll authentic. Take you, I'll, take, I'll take you to an Applebee's. Oh, that's, that'll, that'll that, be that, great. Yeah, yeah that, that's more your speed. Well, listen, uh, Robert, thank you so, so much for spending some time with us and uh, sharing your experiences. It's, um, it's, it's really, really incredible how soccer's uh, opened up this world, literally. Uh, no pun intended. Open up the world to you, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been a blast. I appreciate it, guys. Um, keep doing great work. I will um, I will catch up with you soon. All right, talk to you soon. Take care, Carlos. Um, we need to take one more quick break here, and then come back, and you can tell me what your favorite thing is. Sounds good. Does that sound good? All right, we'll be right back with free more. Uh, excuse me, with free press sports with Carlos Michelle. Hello, I'm Phil Friend, the host and producer of Spartan Speak, a podcast collaboration between the Detroit Free Press and Lansing State Journal focusing on Michigan State sports. Each week, I'm joined by the OGs of the MSU podcasting game, free beat writer Chris Slarry and LSJ sports columnist Graham Couch, as we discuss and dissect the latest sports news coming out of East Lansing. Not only is Spartan Speak one of, if not the longest-running MSU sports podcast out there, you won't find a show with two people as clued into the Spartans as Chris and Graham, each of whom have spent a decade-plus covering MSU and bring years of institutional knowledge and insight to the podcast. And once in a while, they'll let me throw out a take as well. Along with discussing the latest news, we'll break down the Spartans' last game in the hardwood and the gridiron. What went right? What went wrong? Jet sweep. Again? For both Mel Tucker and Tom Izzo, get you ready for the next game, make predictions, and so much more. We can also guarantee at least one reference to Kalamazoo every podcast. So if you haven't already, download, subscribe, and listen to Spartan Speak on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on your podcast app of choice. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, um, it's that time of the show. It's time for your favorite thing. And then I will uh, piggyback on that. <laughs> you're going to steal it as usual. I don't, I, it's more of a borrowing. It's more of borrowing. a, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're, you're lending a little bit. You're, yeah. you're, gu- you're guiding me. You know what I mean? It's, uh, yeah. you're showing me the way it's like, uh, like God kind of blowing glitter from the palm of his, his hand, right? <laughs> Lighten it up for me. You know what I mean? Showing you the way. Yes. Yes. All right. <clears throat> Mine is simple. Um, and it all starts with eggnog, Sean, your favorite drink. I'm sure. Uh, it, people kind of fall on either side of it, but I really, really love eggnog and, um, it signals the start of the holiday season, the Christmas season, and in all this bleakness in the winter in Detroit and the Midwest, you know, you got gray days. Um, something nice happened is uh, you can see once we get to December, right after Thanksgiving, some people complain about you know, people putting up their lights too early for Christmas and all this stuff, but I've always enjoyed it. I've always, it's been one of my favorite seasons and there's just, um, a nicer attitude among people. I think even at, I happened to go to home Depot to return something last week. And normally in the return line in home Depot, it's one of the most hateful places on the planet. People are angry, they're impatient. And there were like about six of us in line and everybody was having a nice little chat. There was a dad with his young daughter behind me and they were talking about going to dinner and seeing their family or friends. And, and you can just sense the, the turn in people's, I think, outlook. Um, and, you know, where I live in Gross Point, they really do a nice job with the lights on the streets, um, Mac Avenue and Kirchival Avenue. 
Um, they dress it up. They put the holly out. They put the lights out. They, you know, some of the businesses put bows around their businesses. Um, it's just a, they, they put the little covers on the parking meter so that it's free for almost all of December. You don't have to pay for parking on the streets. Um, if there's just a little bit of a nicer festive feeling that you get and it comes at the right time, you know, and, uh, I, I've just always looked forward to this and I always look forward to it coming. And I, I always kind of forget when it starts. Cause you always kind of think, Oh, closer to late December, but actually it's, I think, I don't know if it's the shopping season that's part of it, but right after Black Friday, people just seem to be in the mood. So um, I hope it continues and uh, I've enjoyed it so far, Sean. That's great. So you're celebrating uh, uh, a man going down a chimney, passing out presents <laughs> and um, an eggnog. No, that's great. That's great. Actually, I, I love the holiday season too. And, uh, and, I, and I like that you're looking outward. I am not going to do that um, this oh. time. I'm going to do something a little bit different. I don't normally do this. I don't really even like to do this, but I was thinking about this um, the the, the last few days. I mean, not the whole time, but I've thought about this on and off. So we mentioned Michigan and Ohio State earlier. Excuse me. We we did mention that earlier, but we mentioned the Big Ten title game earlier. Sorry. In Indianapolis, where Michigan played Purdue, and it was an 8 o'clock kick. It was on Fox, and uh, I don't know. It was the longest first quarter in the history of college football. (laughs) (laughs) Which uh, which was really something, and I, I it's funny. I, I could see on social media people were wanting to throw their televisions out the window because there were so many commercial breaks, I guess, and, and long commercial breaks. Well, Tony Garcia was tweeting. He it sounded like he was going to leave the game. He was so upset. Oh yeah, it's funny. It's funny. I I you know, in any case, um, it's still you know they put on a good show, good scene, all that. So it's an eight o'clock kick. It lasts a long time. So that it, it is, it's not done till midnight. Right. And, um, or so maybe, maybe a little even after that. And you're done with the interviews after one. And not to get too much about into how the sausage is made at the free press, but we're in an interesting space, right? As, as, as a media company, and, and all print newspapers are kind of stuck between, not stuck, but we're between print. We're still doing some print. We're mostly digital. We're kind of going towards all digital sooner or later, right? Um, and what it's does, what it's done is change uh, to a degree, especially in sports, where the you know news it happens in the evening too, and that could that could affect this also. But it's changed a little bit how we think about the news cycles, along with social media and everything being instant and so forth. So Carlson sitting there, and I'm working on a column off the game, and um, and I need to file it right at, and then I'm going to tweak it a little bit after the interviews. And I know there's it's not for print. It's way too late. The, the, the printing deadline is long since passed. So you're thinking, okay, what can you write? And, you know, normally you look at the game, you think about the ramifications. Maybe there's a larger context. I usually try to put something in a little bit of context unless it's the game is so thrilling itself, then that's just what you focus on. In any case, the next day, the NCAA uh, had its selection show the, for the college football playoff, and that started at noon Eastern time. It's going to be done about one. So. There was a brief moment, uh, late Saturday night, early Sunday evening, where it looked like, I mean, at least a possibility that Michigan had to play Ohio State again. And so I thought, I'm going to write about that. And then J.J. McCarthy, the quarterback, actually sort of jokingly said, hey, love to see them boys again. And so you're thinking, Carlos, if I write about Michigan and Ohio State, that possibility, and I have a little fun with that, it will be completely irrelevant the next day 
probably 1230. So you're writing a column for a digital space that's going to be relevant for about six hours <laughs> as opposed to 24 and then can even stay right. And we're trained. And I, again, I don't want to be too much inside of baseball, but just when you think about stories and what's going to be relevant, you don't, you, and you can attest to this, Carl. So normally you want to write a column that is, at least is somewhat what we call in this business evergreen, where it's going to last a little bit and it won't become irrelevant because of the changing news cycle. And so that's a, a, a dilemma because I knew, Carlos, if you write about and tackle that, there was the potential for lots of interest, but a very, very short window of it. And so my normal self would be, in, in the past, I would usually err on the safe side, let's do what's evergreen. And for once in my life, Carlos, I thought, no, this is what people, this is, and it may help that McCarthy talked about it too, but I thought, no, I'm going to just lean into this and we're going to see what happens. We're going to, we're going to experiment a little bit and it ended up working a little bit. And so it's just, it's just a, and the column was whatever, he, neither here nor there, the way it was written. But, but the idea ended up being okay. And it's just a reminder that it's, it's okay to uh, try something different a little bit. And I hate to make it about work. I don't normally do that. But you know, it's, it's okay. hearing about this. It's it's okay to stick your neck out, and it made me feel, to be honest with you, and I was joking with our sports editor about this. It made me feel a little bit like we were, I was working at some marketing, you know, advertising agency where you're you're surgically trying to pinpoint something, and I don't know that we always want our business to be like that, but the world is changing on us and everything. And we react so quickly to so many different things. And we're trying to adapt to that. And I felt like, and I know it's just a football game, but I felt like in that moment, for the first time that I can remember, we said, all right, we're going to write something that's specifically designed for this tiny little window and see what happens. And, um, and it ended up working. And, uh, you know, not because of necessarily the way I wrote it, but just because we tapped into what people we're, because Michigan fans were freaking out. Oh my God, we're gonna have to play Ohio. There's a chance we're gonna have to see Ohio State again, and uh, and that, and so I wanted to tap into that a little bit. In any case, um, you know, yeah, that was my favorite thing was uh, saying, "Hey, let's 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 try something different in a way that, you, I, that uh, I don't normally." Did you run it by our our boss Kirkland Crawford? Or did you just go rogue and do what I you want to do rogue, like you usually do? I went rogue and uh Kirkland was like, what the hell is this when you I filed went it? Rogue. Well no, so okay, in fairness, I, I I went rogue and filed when the game is over, knowing that I could come rewrite it and write something different mm -hmm. in case he didn't, you know what I mean? So we'd have something so he didn't for know. an hour. No, until I filed it. And then I <laughs> called him afterwards and said after the interviews, and I said, hey, J.J. McCarthy said this. I think we should lean into this all the way with my or what I've already written, and I'll update it. And I know it's only going to be re relevant for – and he said, let's try it. Let's try it. Let's yeah, go Yeah, because it's it. 1 a.m. He doesn't care anymore at that no, point. No, 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 because, no, that's not what at all. So he, he, was, <laughs> totally, he was totally cool with it. And, uh, and you, know, you, know, you know, our sports editor is he's – He's willing to um, take chances. He's he, he encourages us to be as creative as possible. Not that I'm, a, I mean, you know, I'm not creative like you, but in any case, no, yeah, of course. No, well, that's great. Great. You listen, you listen to your gut, Sean. That's, that's good.
I you congratulate know, you. But you know what I'm talking about? You sometimes Absolutely. You, you we just, talk about this all the time in the press box. We're always going back and forth on what do you think and should we do this and should we do that? Yeah, because because it's you you, you a lot of times want to do what's safe, not because you not because it's easy, but because you're you you want to do what's right. You want you want to you know right. So it yeah, can, it's just harder stepping into the unknown. And that, again, that may seem like no big deal. Yeah, it's a football game. You're right. And what? Well, who cares? But but it's all relative. I think one of the things that the one of my favorite lines in a movie about journalism is uh, Helen Mirren. She plays an editor at a newspaper in the movie State of Play with Russell Crowe and Ben Affleck. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Russell Crowe is like, we're going to be wrong if we write this or whatever. And she says, you know what? Uh, we're going to write it and then maybe we'll be wrong. But guess what? The next day we get a chance to write it again and then we'll be right. So let's, you know, it's a, it's a daily newspaper. And in fact, that was even really before the internet. And now it's like, it's an hourly newspaper. So you always yeah. get the chance to yeah, things change and you react and, yeah. um, and all and that. Is, well, I the, hard, I was... the hard part about that would have been actually, if you, if it had happened, then how do you write the follow-up if you're already yeah, talking no, about it? Right. And we, and we just thought, well, we'll just deal with that when it comes. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, we'll just, You'll That's just, journalism. You'll, deal with it when it comes. Yeah, you'll just you'll just figure it out. But I promise I'm not going to make uh, my favorite thing about about me in that way again. I'll try to please look, don't ever. I'll look outward like you did with the eggnog. You know what I mean? <laughs> and the pretty bows. Well, the eggnog went inward into me. So yeah, yeah. And, the, and the pretty bows. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, my man. Well, it was fun. Uh, fun. Great get with Robert. Wow, he's a good synthesizer, isn't he? Oh yeah, he he should have a career in like communications. He should. I remember uh, he was good when he'd get up in our newsroom and talk back when he was the editor of the Free Press, you know? Oh, yeah. He, if he could get me, he could get me and my wife to travel to Toronto for a friendly game with uh, Rich Johnson's buddies from, from uh, what's the paper in Toronto? Not the Star, but the... Uh, oh, yeah. He used to work there. The and National. Started, uh, by the way, Richard Johnson, who who Robert mentioned earlier, was a, a graphic artist, did the did the series of, called Portrait to War, which our friend uh, and colleague Jeff Seidel. Yeah over in Iraq. Great guy. Yeah. And Richard is still doing just these striking, stunning portraits. He's still going out with the military. I think really? he's been in Afghanistan. Yeah. I, I read not too long ago and saw some, uh, maybe I saw a little video of some of his work in an interview with him. And it's just, it's incredible. That's, so, that's difficult, scary work, man. Yeah, no. And, um, uh, we were, we were lucky to, lucky to have him. We were lucky to have Robert, uh, great, great guest today. Great get, man. Yeah, thank you. Kudos. I appreciate I just, it. Yeah, I just the book the book in the town <laughs> book in the talent is yeah, you should just take over that. I'm gonna be a producer. I want a producer credit. All right. Well let's uh let's see if we can do that. All right. <laughs> Man, I, I've I've appreciated it. We need to wrap this up and let these listeners get on with their lives. But we do want to thank the listeners for joining us once again. We also want to thank Carlos Menares, uh co producer of this podcast, who's also the booking agent. Talent agent, I guess. Book, you know, booking agent. I think that's right. We want to thank uh, Kirkland Crawford, a co-producer, sports editor. We want to thank uh, Ajanet. Executive. Delgado. Is he an executive? He's an executive producer. Uh, he's always just trying to... Oh, my goodness. Well, you forgot any... our producer-producers first. Oh, oh, oh. Well, you go ahead. Well, our producer-producers are Andrew Hammond and Robin Chan. And our co-executive producers are Kirkland Crawford. He's becoming the new Anjanette Delgado, getting so many mentions. Yeah, um, yeah. And Anjanette Delgado. And the big man, the big kahuna, Peter Batia. The big kahuna. Do you always think of the, um, 
the burger in Pulp Fiction? Wasn't that called? <laughs> wasn't that called the Big Kahuna? Wasn't it in Gidget? Didn't it come from Gidget? Too? I don't know. I can't believe it. We're getting we're getting a little uh, too punchy here. <laughs> Which is another line from Pulp Fiction. Oh, forgive us, forgive us. We also uh, want to encourage you to, um, you know, hey, wherever you find your favorite podcast, you'll find us. Spotify, Apple. You know, you can uh, you can download and get your alerts on your phone. You can subscribe. Uh, maybe on a laptop. I think people still do that if you want to, but it's much easier on your phone. And you plug it in your car when you're driving to, uh, to what? To buy some eggnog? You can just download and listen to us. <laughs> and uh, give us a rating. Give us a shout. Um, tell us what you think. We'd love it. We want to thank you again for listening. Any last words, Carlos? Um, be nice to each other in this season. Yeah, and uh, pour a little bit of pour a little bit of rum in somebody else's eggnog. I think that'd be nice. I don't drink it with rum. I drink it straight, just okay. normal, non-alcoholic. Yeah. yeah, I drink it straight too. But yeah, I'm with you. Be kind, be nice, show some empathy, a little bit of grace, if you will. How about that? <sighs> yes. There you go. There you go. All right. Until next week, Carlos. Uh, we will when we will return with um, more free press sports with Carlos and Sean. Although it'll just be you and somebody else. It will not be me. I will be. Oh, no. And, uh, I will be off. How about that? You won the lottery finally. Okay, great. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'll, but I'll see you the week after that, unless you're off that week. We actually might be. We have to We have to talk about this. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah we'll, <laughs> Something we'll, will be on next week. Yeah, I, I will not be here next week, but I will be, uh, be back at some point. How about that? Good. All right. All right. Until then, uh, we will see you. We'll see you soon.